0: Good morning, friends. Good morning. Man, I was just, God laid on my heart as we were worshiping together this morning, just a reminder when we were singing that verse that says, So we're looking to Jesus through a veil that's torn to pieces because nothing stands between us and our God. And man, that reminder that God put on my heart, you know, I think all of us can feel like there are times when stuff is in the way. But what our Savior did for us is he made a way so that we can bring those things to him and he can take them away so that there's an open connection, there's relationship, there is freedom. Nothing stands in the way of that. Amen. Jesus is so good and it's so good for us to be reminded of that as we worship together. Uh, good morning, my name is Brent. Uh, good morning to all of those who are joining us online as well, welcome. We're thrilled to have you here uh, this morning. I'm one of the pastors here at MRCC. And I just have a couple of quick announcements for us. The first being, you know, we're in the midst of our Operation Christmas Child that we do sending the boxes out every year. And the due date to bring those boxes back in if you've already picked one up is next Sunday the 13th. So just kind of put that in your mind. Uh, next Sunday is the due date to bring those boxes back ready to ship out. And if you haven't grabbed the box yet, I think we still have a handful left, so make sure you snag one on your way out this morning. And then today we also have a kind of a, a full day. All you prime timers in the room, you know who you are. Uh, we have a prime timers lunch going on after third service this morning down the hall in the kids' church room. Uh, so you're welcome to join there. It's going to be a fantastic time. And then starting tonight and for the next three Sundays, we have our membership class that we do here at MRCC every so often. And, you know, if you consider uh, MRCC your home, if you call this place your home, these people, your family, right, the membership class is a great way just to get plugged in to learn more about your brothers and sisters, to learn more about uh, your church, and it's just fantastic. We'd love to have you there. That's at 6 p.m. tonight, and that'll be going for the next couple of Sundays, three membership classes in total. So we'd love to see you there tonight as well. The invitation is open. And uh, if you would open your Bibles this morning as we prepare to receive the word. Mm Thank you, Pastor Brandon. Thank you to the worship team and and welcome to
1: everybody who's online. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. Raise your hand if you believe that. Yeah. God, in this moment, in this moment, we ask you, to have your way in our lives, Lord, in every part of our lives, Jesus. Yours is the kingdom. God, you call us to be filled with your spirit. You call us to be filled with your grace. God, teach us that there's, (laughs) there's nothing to be afraid of when we say to you, Lord, do whatever you want to in my life. God, we pray for that in our lives this morning. We pray for that in this next uh, half hour or so when we open your word together. We we pray for that throughout this week, God, throughout this year. Have your way in our midst. That's what we want, Jesus. That's what we seek. And we pray it this morning together in your great name. Amen, amen, amen. I, um, I have to share with you something that those of you who know me well, know that I don't share lightly. Um, and that was that early this morning when I got down here for prayer, about an hour earlier than I usually get down here for prayer. Um, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't miss it. I just woke up. But uh, God said something to me, church, that I share with you as a word of knowledge. And what he said was, get ready there's a new season coming there's a fresh wind coming to my church yeah hallelujah i don't have any details about that but it was one of those unmistakable moments and it just lifted me i was bouncing off the walls all morning in the office people said you should get an extra hour of sleep more often and uh, <laughs> but it was because of that now, I, I don't know i don't know how that's going to happen but i do believe that God is saying to us, get ready for a new season. Get ready for a fresh wind of my spirit. And, and how do you get ready? You say to him, I'll make room for you to do whatever you want to in my life. Amen? amen. So good stuff. Welcome this morning. Your father loves you. Um, you have no idea how much. And every time we're in worship on Sunday morning, I think I want to remind God's people of that. And and then I think I can't do it enough because however much I say it, it's too little, but it's true. It's real. Uh, very real. Hey, a couple things to celebrate before we open God's word this morning. One is that last Sunday night at our annual business meeting, we did elect two new deacons to serve our church. And we're thrilled to welcome them to the leadership of our church. I'm going to ask Ask them to stand up. I know Andy is in second service. Andy Newell this morning. Is Casey wow. in second service? Casey wanders around between services like a lost soul. So I never know where he is. But welcome Andy to uh, to the board this morning. <laughs> yep, and Alyssa. <laughs> And Alyssa. Yep, yep, because she'll be covering for him when he's, not that he ever really does anything at home, but she'll be covering for him uh, there. So welcome to him. And also, church, we are just thrilled that last Sunday night our congregation took the final step, had the formal vote. We have agreed to contract Donovan Brothers to build the children's expansion, and that's going to start happening here real soon. So we're celebrating that. <laughs> Neat stuff. Yeah. Can I, uh, can I ask you to prepare yourself to be patient, okay? Because they're going to tear up the campus uh, when they come in. You know, the new children's building, a little bit bigger than this building, will be built right adjacent to the sanctuary here. There'll be kind of an entryway so that you can go into the kids' building or here into this building. But uh, obviously, there's going to be construction materials, fences, stuff tore up all over the place. Um, and we're going to have to be patient with our parking and our, our coming and going during the four or five months that it takes them to finish that project. So please uh, kind of prepare for that. At the end, there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not an oncoming train. Uh, the good news is that we'll have a whole nother entrance to the campus, so there'll be an in and an out. Traffic will move much more smoothly. We'll have a lot more parking when that's all done, and then we'll have this beautiful building that we can use to serve kids, and nothing matters more to Jesus than that. So we're excited about moving forward on that, kind of Be prepared for that dislocation, if you would. Some of us who are maybe used to parking over here are gonna need to park maybe out towards the grass for a few months. We picked the middle of winter to do that because we knew that'd be a blessing, but... um... You know, I used to, when I first came to Claw, I stressed so hard over some of us parking out there on the grass. And I was like, oh, ladies got to walk in that wet grass. I don't want that for them. And somebody said, hey, we're Claw girls. We got this. It's all good. And so anyway, uh, be aware of that. That's coming up. Uh, that's around the bend. And then the last thing is that uh, church, we are very deep now into our search for our next youth pastor. Uh, and we're down to, to some finalists. And so actually the last couple of weeks. The next couple of weeks, we have some youth pastors coming in to speak at Youth Group, and we're going to be making a decision here in the near future about where God is leading us. We're excited about that. Please be in prayer about who that uh, young man, young lady that God is calling to lead our teenagers will be. Please be in prayer with us about that, because we're getting kind of to that point where we're going to be making some decisions. So thanks for your prayers all the way. Let's finish it together. Luke chapter 12. Would you turn there in your Bible? We just finished our series in Titus. Uh, we're going to take a couple of weeks that are kind of single weeks here, and this morning I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 12. Um, and, and as you're doing that, let me let me ask you this: What are you afraid of? What are the things that you that you worry about? What are the things that you maybe feel, uh, you know, a, 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 an unreasonable fear about? I know that our son is terrified of spiders. I give him endless grief about it. Um, uh, even to the point of putting rubber spiders in his bed when he was a teenager, because that 's just how I roll, but what what is it that you are afraid of? Is it heights? is it snakes? is it sharks? or maybe maybe you worry about the economy or the culture or the society what What is it that you're afraid of? I know that this time of year as a seahawk fan, I live in fear of this man right here, all right, maybe you know him. His name's Aaron Donald. He plays for the Rams and he terrifies me. Uh, I live in fear every time we play the Rams. That's a, <laughs> that's a bad man, as they say. But whatever we are afraid of has influence in our lives. You heard about the blonde who found out that most serious accidents happen within two miles of your house. And hearing that, she moved in order to get away from that. You know what I mean? You know, Some people live, apologies to the blondes, some people live in fear of my puns, if that's you, brace yourself, because I'm just going to bless you for a moment this morning. You heard about the Jamaicans who fear doors that require keys, they dreadlocks. No apologies, no apologies. You heard about the man who developed an irrational fear of elevators, so he took steps to overcome it. You know that the only thing that flat earthers fear is fear itself. I was working hard on that one. Give me a break, all right? You heard about the man who became an airline pilot so he could overcome his greatest fear, the fear of dying alone. Um, you know, stop me. Uh, no more Pens for a while but seriously fear is a funny thing if you're, if you're too afraid of some things it can paralyze you it can control you it can dominate you but on the other hand if you're not properly afraid of some things it can lead to disaster we all want our teenagers to have a healthy fear when they take the car and leave the house We want them to live with an awareness of what could happen. And we want that for them because we love them, not because we don't love them. And it's that kind of thing that that our Father wants to talk to us about this morning, church, to his kids. We're going to hear Jesus call us his friends this morning, and he's going to talk to us about our fear. In fact, he's going to talk to us about the fear that we should have and that we oftentimes don't have. I remember a few years ago, I was home on a, my day off. My wife was at work, and uh, we have kind of a two-story place. I was upstairs, and and there's a room up there that I call the man cave. Rhonda hasn't quite called it that yet, but I'm wearing her down. But there's this upstairs room. It's got a big bay window that looks down our street, kind of over the roofs of the houses. Uh, and I was sitting there. It was a quiet morning. I was reading was raining softly. It was kind of a peaceful moment when all of a sudden there was this massive explosion. It was so loud and strong that the whole house shook. The windows rattled, jerked me out of my chair. I mean, it was my first thought. It was so severe that my first thought, and it was an irrational one because we live in kind of a closed development, but I thought somebody had wrecked a truck into my house. That's what it felt like. I thought, oh, my goodness, somebody hit the house downstairs. And I even ran down the stairs to see if there was a car smashed into a building and there wasn't. And I was like, wow, what was that? And I went back upstairs. And when I came back into the room through that big bay window, I could see a massive column of smoke and fire coming out of the backyard of a house just three houses down from us. Oh, my goodness, what happened, you know? And I immediately called 911, and I must have been the 10th or 50th person who called 911 because they they knew about it. And the fire department and police department came out and were dealing with it. I was like, oh, my goodness, what happened? I ran out to see if there's anything I could do. There's a bunch of people already there. So just watched the first responders come in. And and then uh, about an hour later, some vehicles showed up on the street that I I didn't expect. They were big black government vehicles, and they said ATF on the side. You know, the the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. That's serious heavy-duty stuff. And lo and behold, long story short, what I learned the next day had happened on my street was that just three houses down from us, a man had turned a large shed in his backyard into a drug manufacturing library. And he was out there making drugs and, you know, he made a mistake. And the consequence was that the whole lab blew up. Big investigation and follow-up and all that kind of stuff that took place later. And I remember thinking, what a waste, you know, of of a life. I mean, a waste of a backyard shed too, but of a life, you know, of, of somebody's, their life ended. And why? because they lost their fear of something they should have been afraid of. That's what happened. They lost their fear of something they should have been afraid of. If they had been afraid, they would still be alive. If they had been afraid, they wouldn't have died horribly in that moment. And God wants to talk to us about the kind of good and healthy fear that is a blessing to us that brings blessing to us and you know what that fear is it's the fear of God can I ask you as my fellow human my fellow follower of Jesus do you allow yourself to feel the fear of God he wants us to not the terror of him but the fear of him The very real. We're going to hear Jesus make a point of that in just a moment. But God's word is filled from end to end with this idea. The Bible says, for example, in Proverbs chapter 14 that catch this. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Turning a man from the snares of death. Think about that for a moment. What's what's God saying? He's saying, Greg, there is a kind of fear of me that will bless you, that I want you to feel and have because it's good for you. It's good for your soul. It's good for your mind. It's good for your heart. It's also good for those around you. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Proverbs says things like to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Sometimes we think we can hate evil without living in the fear of God. God says, no, that's the key to the whole thing. The fear of the Lord is uh, to hate evil. Uh, Proverbs tells us in chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You say, I want to understand things. I want to understand my life and eternity and who God is and who I am. That begins with the fear of the Lord. Something that our culture often tries to convince us is a bad thing or an unhealthy thing. God says, no, it's not. He says, Greg, I want you to live with it. I want you to feel it. I want you to have it because I'm your father, because I'm your friend. That's precisely why I want you to know the fear of the Lord. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here in Luke chapter 12. And we're going to hear him because church, understand me, we live in a world that has mostly lost the fear of God. And the result is chaos and tragedy. Too few people are properly afraid of God. Can I say this humbly? They will be. They will be. And their refusal to allow the fear of God into their life now will result in an endless terror of him in the end. Wow, that's heavy. But that's what God says to us. And even worse, as we're going to finish this morning, when when we lose touch with the fear of God, we become blind, deaf, and dumb to the glory of his grace and salvation we lose our appreciation of the salvation that he has won for us when we lose touch with the fear of him. So let's listen to Jesus in Luke chapter 12 for a few minutes. Listen to what he says. And and we're going to focus on verses 4 and 5 and then the following. But let me read verses 1 to 3 to kind of get the context of the moment. Here's what the Bible says. Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus... Began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So he says to us, his own, those who are following him, he says, Be on your guard against the yeast, against the influence of the Pharisees, the yeast, the influence of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. In other words, being something different in private than they are in public. That was the Pharisees' game. And the result of it was that other people thought, well, hey, if the spiritual leaders are doing that, then we can all do that. We can be one thing in public, we can be another thing in private. We can have a social media profile and pretend it's real, <laughs> even though we know it isn't. Jesus says, watch out for that. Watch out for that. Beware of that hypocrisy. He says, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight and what you've whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. Now, (laughs) that's sobering. You and I may think that we have secrets, but in the end, we won't. In the end, everybody will know the whole story. Wow, that isn't sobering. I don't know what is. And then having laid that context, then Jesus says this. Let's listen to him. He says, I tell you, my friends, don't miss that. He's calling us friends. What he's about to say, he says to us because he loves us. He says to us because we matter so much to him. That phrase, my friends, in that culture, in that context is much more powerful than we might say it on the street today. It's deeply personal. It evokes intimacy. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after the killing of the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Wow. Church, our Savior is being straightforward here. He's not mincing words. He's telling it like it is. Lots of people don't like to hear this kind of thing, but Jesus relentlessly made a point of it. He says to me again and again that the fear of God is what he wants for me. Now you you and I have to make a decision because the culture is going to say you shouldn't fear God, but the Son of God says we should. The one who loves us invites us to fear him. Now let's break this down a little bit and, and recognize that the first thing Jesus does here is he speaks to our tendency, and we all feel it. We all feel the temptation. To be afraid of people around us in our world, whether it's at work or at school or in our society or in our culture, even internationally, geopolitically, we feel the temptation to be afraid. Jesus says, Don't give in to it. Because if you do, it will control you. It will determine your behavior. It will control your feelings. It will control your expectations. It will cage your faith. He says, Don't be afraid of men. Don't be afraid of people. After all, they cannot touch the real you. They may be able to to kill your body, but one nanosecond after that happens, you'll be laughing that you were ever afraid of that happening because he holds us eternally in his hands. So Jesus says, don't be afraid of those who can only kill the body. Otherwise, that'll control you. I remember when I was in in boot camp as a young Marine, and one, one day me and another man were called into the drill instructor's office, and he ordered us to perjure ourselves before a court of law in boot camp against another Marine. Now, when you're 18 years old and you're in that situation, you can feel that intense intimidation, that pressure coming down on you. Jesus says all of us experience that in different ways, whether it's the pressure to go along with the crowd in a, a, an uncontrolled moment on a Friday night, or, or whether it's the pressure to conform to some idea or belief that God's word doesn't teach, to embrace some behavior or idea that God contradicts. That pressure is always there. Jesus says, don't let it have you. Don't live in fear of men. Instead, Live in the fear of God, because that will set you free from the fear of men or of people. Oswald Chambers put this beautifully. He said, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear him, you fear nothing else. But if you do not fear God, you end up fearing everything else. And so in this moment, that's what Jesus is reaching for in our lives. You know, sometimes our world says, if somebody intimidates you into doing something, it's not your fault. You were intimidated. God says, no, Greg, no. If you allow somebody to intimidate you into doing something, then that is on you. It meant that you were more afraid of them than you were afraid of me. That's heavy, but that's the heart of a father. Revelation tells us in chapter 22 that there's a particular category of sin that won't be in heaven. We talk about this in our men's dinner monthly band of brothers. Revelation 22 lists all the sins that won't be in in heaven, and most of them we would expect, but right in the middle is something we might not guess. He says the liar, the wicked, the violent man, the adulterer, and the cowardly Will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they were more afraid of people than they were of God. Jesus is speaking to that in this moment. But let's understand something the fear of God that he's talking about is not an unreasoning terror. It's not a cowering uh, under the hand uh, of a tyrant who might strike us on a whim. That's not the idea here. As a matter of fact, at the end of our message, when we get to 1 John 4:18, it talks about perfect love casts out fear. We're going to see the difference between those things. The idea here is not a terror of God. The idea here is a reverent fear. And if I can paint a picture for you, imagine this. You know when you're driving along and you look in your rearview mirror and realize there's a police car right behind you? You had that feeling before, right? Now some of the guys are pretending, oh, it doesn't bother me. You big liar, it does too bother you, right? You go, oh, there's lights back. Wow, my drive. You look at your speedometer, is my seatbelt on? You know, you go through that whole thing. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. That's the fear, as first John 418 is going to say, that has to do with punishment. That's not what he's calling us to do. Instead, picture it this way. You're driving along one day, and then suddenly you look in your rearview mirror and you see that your dad is following you. Or your mom or your granddad or your mentor or whoever it is that you respect and love who holds a place of authority in your life. Suddenly you begin to behave differently, but for a very different reason. With me, it's my wife. If I see her in the rearview mirror, you know, I feel this combination of terror and love that (laughs) corrects me. No, seriously. But you see the difference? There is a fear that flows from our reverence for the goodness of the one who's watching. That's the idea here. And, And understand that that goodness runs with the Father. God says the day is coming when he will return to judge this earth, A to Z, start to finish. Every last person, he will have the last word. And his judgment will for many be an endless punishment. Scripture says that when Jesus returns in Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. We read about what's going on in Ukrainian or Somali or Sudanese or or Myanmar villages, and we are horrified. Our horror doesn't light and hold a candle to His. When He comes back, the wicked will find themselves in terror. God wants us to know that, and and His terror doesn't come because He's bad. It comes because He's good. It's His goodness. That causes us to fear him. And that's the idea that Jesus is speaking towards here. When God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. We remember that his goodness cannot tolerate that wickedness. And as a consequence, we are sobered. And we are humbled. We are changed in our thinking and our behaving so Jesus is saying, let your good and healthy fear empower you to overcome those other fears. You know, that's what soldiers tell us make us make them brave on the battlefield. It's not that suddenly they don't feel fear anymore. It's that they have a greater fear that they would let down their fellow soldier, that they would let down their, their mission or their duty or their family or their country. That is what drives them to be brave. It's a greater fear, and it makes them better people. That's what Jesus is reaching for here. And that's what God's reaching for in my life and yours. He wants me to live with the fear of him because he knows it's a blessing to me. And he wants you to feel that as well. You know, when Moses was introducing Israel to God in the wilderness up on Mount Sinai, when he brought down those Ten Commandments, the scripture says that God revealed himself as as holy and frightening. Here's how Exodus chapter 20, verse 18 puts it. It says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled in fear and stayed at a distance. Whoa! This is frightening. This guy is terrifying. But Moses said to them, verse 20, don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. (laughs) In other words, God is giving you a gift in this moment. If you walk away from this realizing that he's not to be trifled with, that sin is real, that it matters, that it destroys you, that it separates us from him. Oh boy, then you'll be blessed by this show. I always think of the what was in my heart when our son was small. We lived on a busy street. He wanted to go out and play. And so I would tell him, son, yes, you can go play in the yard. Don't ever go into the street. <laughs> Under no circumstances will you go into the street. And when I told him that, I wanted him afraid. I wanted him scared for his good because he doesn't yet understand the danger. Well, in the same way, God steps into your life and mine and he says, hey, I want you to be afraid of adultery. I want you to be afraid of drunkenness. I want you to be afraid of violence. I want you to be afraid of slander. I want you to be afraid of envy and jealousy and all the rest, because that will be a blessing to you. It will make you better. It will make you safe. It will keep you from the dangers of sin. Listen again to what Jesus says, verse 5. Fear him who, after the killing of the body, has power to throw you into hell. Can we just take a moment and understand that hell is real, church? It's real. We don't get to philosophize it away. We don't get to pretend it's not there. We don't get to say, well, if God is good, nobody ever goes to hell. God says, no, because I'm good, most will go to hell. And we're meant to be aware of that. And we're meant to be sobered by that. And we're meant to be changed by that. Jesus was unequivocal about this. He said a bunch of things about hell that is worth our remembering for example, in Mark chapter 9, verse 43, he said, If your hand causes you to sin, Greg, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. Now, understand he's speaking metaphorically. The solution to sin is not me cutting off my hand. He's making an intense point. He's saying, You know what? Do what it takes to push that sin away from you because its danger is so great that you'd be better off to lose a limb. If you lose a limb, it won't solve the problem. So that's not the point. But the point is that serious fear. It's like I sometimes said to my son when he was younger, I would say, hey, son, you know, going to work every day is hard sometimes, but it's not nearly as hard as being broke. Somebody say amen, you know. Yeah, it's that kind of idea here. And and, and Jesus says that hell is forever. The fire never goes out. Never. Remember when Rhonda worked for the Port Orchard Fire Department many years ago and there was a, a bad accident just outside of town and a number of the people she knew as friends who were part of that fire department responded to that accident and both cars burst into flames and a number of firemen had to helplessly be there while a man burned to death in front of them. She talked about how changed they were by that and how they came back from that, just dealing with a lot of stuff. Yeah. The idea that Jesus is communicating is, hey, when you drive, realize what could happen. Drive safely because of that. Jesus said that people there live in endless regret. They... In Matthew 13, when he talked about the final judgment, he said that God at that time will throw many into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, regret, and a regret that never ends. I know a woman who has never received Jesus as her Savior, but her life has been a tragic wreck because when she was young, she drank, she drove, was involved in an accident, and two children lost their lives. And now there is not a conscious moment in her life when she doesn't carry profound regret. I've told her many times, Jesus is there to pay that price for you, to forgive you for that sin. His grace is real. She hasn't got there yet. Instead, she's living in endless regret. Jesus says, that's what hell's like. Be afraid of that because it will change how you behave in the meantime. He even told a story in Luke 16 about a man in hell. And this is important for us to grasp. This man in hell, now that he was there, was saying, oh, I was wrong. I was wrong the whole time. I should have lived differently. Send me back so I can warn people. In the story, Jesus says, that's impossible. We all get infinite chances to choose here in this life. After this life is over, the choice has been made. And there's a sobriety that comes from recognizing that what I do choose today, here and now, matters eternally. But the reason for it, the reason Jesus says to his friends... I want you to live in the fear of God is because it's a blessing and it helps us. Some of us are old enough to remember a documentary from the '80s that were actually several of them. They turned into a sequence called "Scared Straight." Anybody remember "Scared Straight"? "Scared Straight" had a simple premise: a group of very at-risk, troubled teenagers. Were uh, uh, brought into a maximum security prison under guard, of course, but brought in to face a group of felons who were in for life or some of whom were even facing the death penalty. And those felons got to speak into the life of those teenagers. And they said, Here's the road you're going down. Here's where it ends. Here's the lies that are leading you down this road. Don't be where we are. Don't come here. Where... It was intense. Some people say, oh, that's, that's too hard for the teenagers. The teenagers disagreed. Afterwards, one after another, as the years went by, expressed their gratitude. Do you know of all the teenagers that went through the Scared Story program, do you know how many went on to commit felonies over the course of their lives? One. All the rest said, I do not want to be there. I don't want to have that happen to me. And so fear became a blessing to them and in the same way God says Greg I want that for you there are times when we need a good and healthy fear to save us from something worse than our father knows it okay let's go into the home stretch this morning Jesus goes on to say immediately after saying to us I'll tell you whom you should fear he goes on immediately to add to what he said, look at verses 8 and 9 of chapter 12. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. He said, be afraid. Now he says, don't be afraid. Well, how can you do both those? Because one is a reverent fear that flows from love and goodness. And one is a terror that flows from caprice and tyranny and so he said no, no no have a reverent fear it's dad in your rearview mirror not the police officer don't be afraid you are worth more than many sparrows and i tell you whoever acknowledges me before men the son of man will acknowledge him before the angels of god in other words rest in your faith you are saved by grace through faith you are saved simply because you believe What God has done for you on the cross is real and eternal. So I don't want you to live in terror. I want you to live in fear of a father who loves you and who will allow consequences in your life. Some of which may feel unbearable because he in his wisdom loves us too much to let stuff go. And this morning, that's what God wants for us. And you see, friends, here's the corollary that goes to it. It's only when you and I understand that God has given us his grace in the shadow of eternal hell that the glory of what he's done for us becomes crystal clear it's only when we realize that what he has done for us saves us from ourselves eternally from hell itself that we appreciate the salvation that he's won for us that we love him that he took that punishment himself rather than us i remember years and years ago when we lived in idaho and and i was out with our son isaiah on a saturday and we were going for a drive in the country it was a summer day i was in one of my old vintage pickups that i had all restored and um you know we were having a boy's day and we were goofing off and laughing and doing fun stuff and and then I started goofing off and driving way too fast in order to make him laugh. And we're going back and forth and carrying on. And, you know, a 1966 Chevy pickup without power steering or power brakes handles a little differently than most of our cars. And. All of a sudden I'm going way too fast and goofing off and I come around a corner and I can't turn strong enough and I weave out into the other lane and I'll never forget the moment I came around that hillside and there was a log truck in the oncoming lane headed straight for us. I jerked the wheel. I had some power steering in that moment. It came from my core, I think, somewhere. But I jerked that. as, And I mean... uh, I think it was supernatural. But we missed that log truck somehow. Burned in my brain is the look on the log truck driver's face when he saw me and knew there was nothing he was going to be able to do. And we just missed that. And then as I drove along, thinking to myself, oh my goodness, my son's life is in my hands and I'm acting like an idiot. Oh, I need to be much more afraid of how I drive for my own benefit, for his benefit, for other people's benefit. It's that kind of fear that Jesus wants for you. And once for me that's what he's talking about in this moment when we have felt the fear of God and discovered his love that's when we're truly unafraid and that's what first John chapter 4 verse 18 is saying when the scripture says there's no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love it's talking about the fear of tyranny the terror of punishment it's not talking about the healthy fear of a father God It's distinguishing between those two things. The idea that we should have no fear of God does not come from Jesus. It comes from the devil. And into your life and mine, the real Jesus offers something infinitely better, which is the healthy fear of him. A couple of quick stories and we're done. Uh, when we talk about this, it always reminds me of a moment in the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. You may remember this moment when uh, Lucy and Edmund are going to go meet Aslan for the first time. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the story, Aslan is a, a, a parable of who Jesus is. He's a lion. And Mr. Beaver, Talking Beaver, takes Edmund and Lucy says, hey, we're going we're gonna to see Aslan. They come around the corner and there's Aslan. And he's a lion. And he looks scary. And Lucy draws back and she says, oh, he's scary. Mr. Beaver says to her, oh no, you need not be afraid, daughter. And she misunderstands at first. She says, oh, oh, I know. You mean he's a tame lion. And Mr. Beaver says, oh no, he's not tame. He's not safe. But he is good. And that's why I don't want you to live in the terror of him. He is not safe, but he is good. That's what Jesus wants you and I to feel. Because it blesses us. Because it sets us free. I want to finish with a story from my own life that just really brings brings what we're talking about all the way home this morning. And, um, you know, I'm going to be a little vulnerable with you. This was many years ago in my early 20s. And, Life had gotten hard, and there were some difficulties and disappointments that, that I was dealing with, that we were dealing with, and I was pretty down. And And I was working for a car dealership, and I was making a commute on I-5, and it felt to me like everything that I had once hoped for was gone and lost and wouldn't come back. and I remember thinking in the morning as I drove my truck to work, I remember thinking, you know, if I just... Turn the wheel a little bit. It's all over. I could escape. I'm out of here. You know, they tell us that most of us in our lifetime will feel like that at some point. Well, I was feeling like that. And there were several mornings when I thought to myself, you know what? Nobody would know. I just turned the wheel. It'll be over. You know what kept me from that? I was a new Christian, I was a young believer. And I had been taught. if I died in that moment I don't go to sleep I don't escape I don't go off to happy la la land I go to judgment I go to face a God who will judge me for my choices decisions and behaviors and that fear was real so real that even though all my emotions wanted out I couldn't I couldn't go there because I knew that I would face judgment now can I tell you that my wife and my son and my friends are really glad that I had the fear of God in my life. <laughs> and I'm really glad that I had the fear of God in my life. God wants that for you. So let me ask us as we close this morning, do you feel the fear of God? Have you allowed him to scare you? Somebody says, I sure preach this on Halloween. Well, I was saving it for Christmas, but I thought we'd just do it this morning. But. <laughs> Seriously, have you allowed yourself to feel the fear of him? He wants you to because he loves you, because he calls you his friend. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? And Maybe you need to say to God, God, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to in my heart. God, teach me what it is to fear you. If you pray that prayer, he'll answer it. You can count on it and you'll be glad for it because the freedom of the fear of God is a real thing. It is a fountain of life, the scriptures say. Maybe you need to pray and say, God, teach me to fear you. Go ahead. He'll hear you. Maybe you've allowed your fear of him to become a terror. He wants to change that. He wants you to understand that it is your reverence for his goodness that he wants you to feel, not just a a fear of getting a ticket. He wants you to feel something much more real and much more good for you. So he invites you to set aside your terror this morning and to grab hold of a good healthy fear instead. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning as we go from here today. God, let it be with an awareness that we live in your presence, that you're following us down the road, that you're in the rearview mirror, that we might be the people that we're proud of being. We pray for that. We ask it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Would you stand with me, church? Wake up your neighbor if they drifted off. Uh like I said, I was going to save this one for Christmas. I thought it might not be appropriate on Christmas. So. But this is real stuff. This is a father God's heart. So now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God, tell someone you love him. Have a great afternoon.